It's Monday morning, and you're in my bonus room. I have so many rooms, you have a bonus one. This particular Who Told You About That series, uh, this edition today, <clears throat> comes from many requests from people who are or who were members of the Churches of Christ. Now, there's a reason for that. As we've talked about, well, what does God want from you in worship? And who told you that? And who told them that? And who told them that? We, we try to search things back to the original well, whatever that well is. I've received several people saying, but, but what about Nadab and Abihu? And what about Cain? I need to warn you that those of you outside of that circle might, might really have no idea who these people are and why that would be brought up. But it's a really central point to that particular tribe, to the point where if you Google, what was the sin of Nadab and Abihu? Most of the responses that will come up in the first couple of pages before Google does what it always does and wanders off into its own fields will be written by members of Churches of Christ and there will be executable outlines and there will be all of these kind of connections. Why? Well, because it's, it's one of the teachings that I grew up with was that if you brought anything into worship which was not specifically commanded by God, then God hated it and, and they proved it by going to Leviticus 10. And that's where Nadab and Abihu, two sons of Aaron, the high priest of Israel, and they were priests, brought, the scripture says, strange fire before the Lord. And God struck them down, killed them, told everybody to t pick them up, bury them that day, and don't you even grieve for them because they were just horrible people. We need to um, wonder why people would rush back and grab that particular place because in the Old Testament, people displeased God every single day in a hugely creative number of ways. Why this particular story ended in death, an immediate death, and that, that should pique our interest. It's more than just not doing what God wanted them to do. Because again, that happens all through the Old Testament. And if we're honest, it happens all through our lives as well. So did he do it just once at the tent of offering way back in Leviticus 10 as a warning for all time and doesn't have to repeat that? Well, it seems a bit odd. It does. This is actually an example of something which I've talked about before called scholasticism. Scholasticism is when you see something you don't like or that you do like. Maybe it is something that you just decided you believed or that you weren't sure that you believed. Then you go back and you look for evidence to support your point. Believe it or not, a lot of people think that's entirely legitimate. But uh, from science and logic, no, it is not. And by the way, from theology, it isn't as well. Theology used to be known as the queen of sciences. It was considered a science by those that studied it. So let's, let's look at it scientifically. If you believe something, or if you don't believe something, or if you don't like something, and you go back to scripture to prove your point, that's logically false. It's, it's a fallacy. You have to go back to scripture to see what it says. Now the problem is, 
if you've already put on glasses that says everything that agrees with me, I look at and accept, and everything that does not, I explain away, well, welcome to the human race. That's what a lot of us do. And I use the pronoun us advisedly because I have absolutely done that. When I catch myself doing it, or to be, to be honest, when someone else catches me doing that, and they show me and I'm going, oh dear, that's a very embarrassing and humbling moment. So what's going on? And why would we go back to that story? Nadab and Abihu were not killed because they messed up worship slightly, or they decided to do a little something different for God. In the Churches of Christ, where I grew up, they were a cappella churches, which means they sang without instruments which is, by the way, a beautiful way to sing. And they sing in beautiful four-part harmony. It is, um, it is a wonderful thing to sing with them. You also get a cappella music in some other churches, like the Free, the Free Kirk or the Free Church of Scotland, uh, Orthodox Catholic churches, and the like. So they're not, they're not alone there. In that uh, singing by instrument, it became actually an article of, uh, rather, without instruments, it became an article of faith shortly after the American Civil War. Now, my friend Ben Brewster um, wrote an amazing book about this. It's a short book, very powerful book. If you have any interest in how things such as acapella singing became an absolute law of God and God will tolerate no other, you, you need to look up Ben Brewster's book, Torn Asunder. Uh, it is still available on Amazon. It's been written for a long time. Easy to read, very powerful, and I recommend it. That's another issue. What was going on with Nadab and Abihu? Well, they were sons of Aaron. They were priests, and in fact, they were the two sons of Aaron that are most mentioned. It's, it goes even beyond this. Um, they were given privileges nobody else got. They were given, and in Exodus 24, they got to see the glory of God. They got to see God. Now, the Bible also says nobody has seen God, so we understand there's a representation, there's a glory somehow, but other people don't get this. They got this. This was amazing. And this was, they'd go up with Moses. Exodus 24, by the way, uh, 1 through 11 will give you that story. Nadab and Abihu's sin was pride, the same sin that caused Satan to fall. It was presumption. They had been honored. Again and again and again, they had been honored. And they were powerful. And they were above the others. And they let it get to their head. They had been given specific special commands for this specific special day. It was the inauguration of the Levitical priesthood. That's huge. Put huge in capitals, draw circles around it, and then get red markers and point arrows all around it and slap a gold star on top of it. That's how huge this was. It is the inauguration of the Levitical priesthood. Moses had given them specific commands as he did. Uh, you can go back to Leviticus um, 8 verse 36. They, you, you do what he told you to do. And it's kind of, we're important. We do what we want to. 
we're the ones in charge. And they just presumed, no, we don't have to get fire from where God told us to get. We're just going to get fire. It didn't have to be any special thing because we're carrying it. We're the sanctifying ones here because we do it. It's okay. I mean, it's, it was really a lot of hubris here. Um, offensive hubris. By the way, Moses was, uh, was punished for doing the same thing and not allowed to go into the land of Canaan. Uh, look at Numbers 20 and verse 12. There was also something else going on. Right after they're killed, God gets really into the face of Aaron and his two surviving sons, we'll talk about them in a bit, and says, don't drink alcohol and then come into the presence of God. Now, is he opposed to all alcohol? No, no, he isn't. In scripture, it was used as a sign of joy repeatedly, uh, wine, but never drunkenness, that was not. It, the, the connection you have to make there is not only were Nadab and Abihu completely power mad and completely too proud and disregarded the specialness of the day when God had told them, you sanctify this day and you sanctify yourselves. This is, this is a big day. And do it. It's kind of like you're being the husband and you're called to, for the wedding day and you show up in shorts and flip-flops and a backward baseball cap. Not today. Today is special. Today, make this right. And do it. They got drunk, they got sloppy, they got proud and arrogant. Not a good look. And God struck them dead. Now, God also ordered, you're not allowed to mourn them. You're not allowed to let your hair get all shaggy and your clothes all shaggy. You have to act as if that didn't happen and keep going. If you read the rest of uh, Leviticus 10, you find out they didn't do that. Uh, they didn't do it at all. In fact, um, they, uh, they didn't eat what God told them to eat. And so God comes roaring back in and going, why didn't you do this? He does this through Moses. You just saw what happened to the other two brothers whenever they didn't do what I told them to do today. Why didn't you do what I told you to do today? And Aaron says, how can you expect them to eat all of this and to act like it didn't happen when they're full of grief? And God said, okay. Now look at that. Both sets of brothers had sinned and broken the pattern on the big special day of God. Two brothers get killed. Two are forgiven. Why? Two did it out of complete pride and hubris. They're the most important people on the planet. They'll sanctify stuff. God does not like the competition because you're not competition. You're just annoying. The other two didn't do what God told them to do, but it was because they had broken hearts and God said, okay, I get that. So is God, this capricious God, that if you do something slightly wrong in worship, will absolutely disregard your worship. No. We have literally hundreds of examples of him not doing that throughout the Old Testament and in our own lives. The synagogue is a big example of that. There's nothing about the synagogue that was given by the law and, and uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and especially Deuteronomy, the second big encapsulation of the law. 
Nothing about that there. But they did it, and God accepted it. And when Jesus was on earth, he attended it, and his apostles attended it. It wasn't authorized, but it's okay, because they were doing what they could do unto the Lord. That's not bringing, bringing a guitar in and singing a song is not corrupting the worship of God. People say, no, no, you're just supposed to sing. And now not, he never said to play and sing. And that's actually not true. Because the words for singing are also the words for playing. And no matter how much you want to run around with your fingers in your ears going, no, 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 no. History, linguistics are all agreed here. Plus this, a, a, a really big question. When you dip back into the Old Testament to show an example like this, you are often, if you, for example, instruments, you're told you can't do that. But if you go back there for Nadab and Abihu who were killed because they did something God didn't specifically authorize in worship, why can't you go there with Psalm 150 where it says, God says, absolutely, I want these instruments and a lot of noise. I think you're going to have to make a choice. Plus, Nadab and Abihu were not killed for bringing something before God that was not specifically commanded. That was a small part of their complete and utter disregard of God on God's special day. So people then say, what about Cain? Because God rejected the worship of Cain. Yeah, he did. And in my growing up years, this is the way that was done. Explained rather. Because the story of that sacrifice is a jumble. It is, it's a connection, it's a collection of two stories mashed together, rather much like Genesis chapter one and two are. And you have to kind of read between them and go back and forth to figure out what's going on. And you can with creation pretty much, but when you come to the Cain, you never get an answer. And not in those passages, why God did not accept him and why God did not accept that sacrifice. I've had so many people, I've seen books written on, well, Abel was a herdsman and he brought blood sacrifice. Cain gardened and he brought vegetables. And so Cain must have not brought his best, absolutely not indicated in scripture. As far as we know, he brought his best. And then they'll say, but it wasn't a blood sacrifice. And then they'll trace all this theology of blood through the history of the Bible. And there is a, a string of blood and testimony through the Bible. And of course, we're saved by Jesus' blood, etc. But Cain didn't know that. There's no indication at all that that was a thing back then. At all. A bit. So people just assume. And we have no basis to make that assumption. So why wasn't Cain's sacrifice accepted? Well, we're not given a reason. So in my tribe, I heard a lot of sermons about how uh, Cain... You know, messed up here. Then you run to the New Testament. Faith cometh by hearing the word and hearing by the word of God. So you go back to Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. So by faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Abel by faith offered. What that means then, we were told, was that they were told by God what to bring and Cain didn't bring the right thing. You see it again, it's that better have perfection in worship or God won't like you. Hmm. Problem is, you're rushing thousands of years in the future, 
and you are grabbing mail written to other people and you're grabbing bits of that mail and ramming it together and then applying it back to Cain, that makes zero sense. Zero. So why did God not accept Cain? You know, in the New Testament, God says God loved Abel and hated Cain, and that's the way it is. He didn't have to explain it. But we do get a couple of, I'd say, clues, small clues. Normally, I have these printed out or something, but you're in my bonus room. You can, you can wait a minute while I turn it to scriptures, can't you? And to make sure I actually have a Bible and know how to read it. Um, it's always amazing when people say, hey, now here's the verse that shoots all that down. And I'm thinking, yeah, I've read that. I know that verse, but there are a whole lot of verses around it called context, and got to look at that too. First uh, John chapter three verse twelve: Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Now his own actions were evil. Then people leap on. Oh, then. Um, he must have brought the sacrifice that he knew didn't please God. No, it meant he came to church, we'll call it church, and he offered a sacrifice when his entire life was full of hate, jealousy, and murder in his heart. And worship will not be accepted when you show up like that. Jude, verse, um, where we go? Verse 11, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed into profit for Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Who, who are, what's, what's going on here? He explains, this is people who dispute with celestial beings who argue against God and slander whatever they don't understand as if they are just driven by instinct like irrational animals. That's why God did not accept Cain's sacrifice not because he brought the wrong stuff, but because his heart was wrong. His living was full of sin and anger, and going to church does not fix that. Even if you go to church and worship perfectly, as if something could be like that could be done, even if you go to the assembly and you worship perfectly, doing all of the acts of worship as you have been handed them by your tribe, if your heart is full of anger, if your heart is impure with Nadab and Abihu, if your behavior is out of control and your pride, your prideometer is pegging, God's not going to accept it. That's the story. Uh, so I'm glad so many of you asked that I cover this. And I'm aware that those outside of some of these little tribes are still scratching their heads going, I don't get it. Well, I give you permission to not have to worry about that because this was all as a result of scholasticism. And there are, there are so many people who have done so much work on this. I, of course, Ben Brewster on the history, but also Bobby Valentine, who's just done an amazing amount of work on this particular subject. And if you, you really have to turn your brain on to read Bobby though, because Bobby Valentine is a scholar and it shows. Uh, he's also a very, very humble scholar, by the way, but very thorough. So um, if you go look him up, he, you can look up Stoned Campbell. Uh, be the, it's, a, it's a play on words. Stoned Campbell, all one word in Google. It'll take you to his blog. All right. I hope you have a great Monday. 
And I hope you're enjoying the Who Told You This series. Next week, we're going to do a heavy one. And we're going to make some people angry. But not because I want to. I just seem to be gifted. With much love from all of us at our safe harbor. And please contribute if you can through um, you know, PayPal at OurSafeHarbor.com or get the Tithely app. We are coming out with our own app that you'll be able to get at the App Store where you can get your phone and you can give, but you can also listen to everything we've ever done for free. And you can, uh, it's an amazing thing. And we're making a couple of new connections on the website. If you've had trouble finding us on YouTube and you're watching us now, but you've been having a hard time getting it live on Sunday, YouTube is a mess, frankly. So we are quietly also duplicating at Venmo, but we're not gonna give out that address yet. You can go just directly to www.OurSafeHarbor.com, OurSafeHarbor.com. And all of this goodness is sitting right there, instant start without some of the YouTube quirkiness. All right, we appreciate you allowing us to do what we do, because frankly, without your gifts, we'd shut down within a couple of weeks. and. Those of you that can't give, don't feel guilty. No, don't feel guilty at all. Instead, enjoy and do what God has given you to do with the work of your hands, what you see with your eyes. Go be Jesus. Cheers.